0: Something very strange is happening in Washington, D.C. It's worrying lots of people. For the first time in U.S. history, three military services are operating without a Senate-confirmed chief in charge. But that is not the strangest part. The strangest part is the reason why. Republicans are wielding the power the people gave them. Senator Tommy Tuberville is single-handedly holding up more than 300 of Joe Biden's senior officer nominations, including the three joint chiefs. The liberal journalists are wringing their hands and clutching their pearls. They're accusing Senator Tuberville of weakening our military. But the liberals at the Pentagon could end the standoff tomorrow because the liberals at the Pentagon are the ones who started it last October by ramming through a new policy that pays military service members to travel out of state To kill their babies through abortion. That policy was never passed into law by Congress. The people never voted for it. It's obviously not a right guaranteed by the Constitution. The whole reason the liberals at the Pentagon passed this policy was because they were angry over the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case, which overruled Roe v. Wade and struck down the fictional constitutional right to abortion. The whole point of the military is to protect Americans not to pay soldiers to kill the most vulnerable Americans. There is no popular call for this policy. That's why the DOD had to ram it through the bureaucracy. And the policy in no way improves the military's readiness or ability to fight our foes. But this policy does matter to liberals. Abortion matters a lot to liberals. If you ever doubted that, look no further than this fight in which our nation's top military leaders would rather keep three branches of service without a leader than agree to tone back the baby killing just a little bit. There are a few people in Washington, D.C. who are endangering national security right now, and none of those people is Tommy Tuberville. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. There's a lot of big news we have to get to. The that mother effer isn't real girl from the airplane has issued an apology. We will go through every crucial detail of that apology. And then is there anything else? Oh, yeah, there's this little tiny bit of news. Uh, They indicted Trump again. It's, It's Groundhog Day. General Francisco Franco is still dead. And the libs have indicted Trump again. This one's a little different. This one is not at the federal level. This is not over January 6th, the worst day in the history of the world. This is not over an in-kind campaign contribution from some tabloid story in New York. This is over a phone call that Trump had after the Democrats rigged the election. And he called Georgia and he said, hey, what's going on in Georgia? Where are the votes? Uh, that phone call now has gotten him and his lawyers and all sorts of people indicted. The other big difference between this indictment and the other 7,000 indictments that they've thrown at him before is that in this case, the authorities are promising to take a mugshot.
1: We are following our part, our, our normal practices. And so it doesn't matter your status. We have mugshots ready for you.
0: Look at that little smirk. That little smirk on the Gestapo there at the end, it doesn't matter. We're going to take a mugshot this time, and we're going to get you, Trump. Now, of course, Trump is going to be thrilled by this, as well he should be. If the liberals are going to upend the American political order, if they're going to upend centuries of tradition, and if they're going to now criminalize politics, which is effectively what they're doing, then- Go big or go home. Then, then I don't want them to be able to weasel out of it and pretend they didn't. No, no. If you're going to arrest the leader of the opposition and a former president of the United States, then take that mug shot and make him a political martyr, which is what they're going to do. Uh, hard to see how Trump totally gets out of this now. The, the reason being that even if, even if Trump becomes president, I guess he could pardon himself. But he could only pardon himself at the federal level, right? I get, I think. I don't, I don't think he could pardon himself if he's convicted on state charges. We're in completely uncharted territory here, so <laughs> we're kind of making things up a little bit as we go along now that the Democrats have decided that we're going to descend into a tin pot dictatorship, a banana republic. But it's hard to see, now that the Democrats have brought Donald Trump on, at my last count, seven billion charges, it's hard to see how they don't get him on at least one, especially in these hostile places. You can see, you just, you look into the eyes of these liberals. I don't mean to be too hard on that cop there, because he's obviously just following political orders. And the politicians are very clear that the Democrats have decided they're going to throw Trump in prison for the rest of his life. You look into their eyes, you just see fire burning there is the eyes are the window to the soul, and the windows are the windows to your house, which when you want to replace them, you've got to check out Renewal by Anderson. Right now, text Knowles to 200-300. For most homeowners, window replacement is not something they've done before. For many, it's not something that they want to do. Rather, it's something that they have to do. If you've put off replacing the windows in your home because it's too expensive, I've got great news. You can now get a free in-home window consultation and a free price quote from Renewal by Anderson. Renewal by anderson 's Signature Service is committed to giving you the best customer experience possible through the perfect combination of the best people in the industry, a superior process, and an exclusive product. Right now, Renewal by Anderson is offering a free in-home or virtual consultation on top-quality affordable windows or patio doors for $0 down, zero payments, and zero interest for a year. Text NOLS, K-N-A-W-L-E-S, to 200-300 for your free consultation to save $375 off every window and $750 off every door. These savings will not last long, so be sure to check it out by texting Knowles K-N-W-L-E-S, to 200-300. That's Knowles to 200 Texting and privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Go to windowappointmentnow.com for full offer details. This is not a bright moment, for western political leadership this is not not just in the united states really for any western aligned country and especially in military leadership you've got these liberals at the pentagon basically shutting down the top command in order to ram through a radical infanticide policy and then in the american colony in the imperial war we're fighting overseas in ukraine you you see well I'm going to let you see it for I'm not allowed to do this this segment on YouTube so if you want this segment you've got to come to Daily Wire Plus or to the RSS feed or to Twitter at M. Show. I the, I'm just going to I'm just going to introduce it this way the Ukraine spokesman spokesman who is not exactly how that spokesman would appear and that spokesman is exactly as you would expect if Hollywood were writing this as a movie. And this spokesman has a message for Vladimir Putin. If you look at Putin's mouth, you'll notice that blood drips from it. He's a vampire carrying out genocide against both Ukrainians and Russians alike. Vlad Putin bathes in the blood of innocent children and enjoys it and this is why the dictator of the Russian Federation must be deposed and why peace talks have to be focused on President Zelensky's 10-point peace formula and the full liberation of Ukraine. We can get to Putin's physique in a minute. I, I'm not really thinking about Putin's mouth and teeth and Adam's apple right now. I'm more focused on the physique of this spokeslady for the Ukrainian military, who looks a lot like this spokeslady has a real chiseled jaw, you know, very broad shoulders. and, And of course, the spokesman for the Ukrainian military is an American transvestite. Of course. Because that would have to be the case in the Hollywood movie version of this. And I'm not saying we're living in a simulation or anything like that, but Hollywood is literally writing a lot of this, right? The liberal establishment actually is writing a lot of the story of this war. The leader of Ukraine is a former actor, highest paid actor in the world, made $100 billion last year. So of course, you look at the Twitter bios of everyone who's really enthusiastically pro-Ukraine, and it's always huge libs with pronouns in their bio. And so of course, The spokesman for the Ukrainian military is an American transvestite. Of course. Of course. I don't, I'm not rooting for Putin, but these guys are making it really hard for me not to, okay? Because is it, is this Western values? Is this it? Is this what we're fighting for? We're fighting to impose transgenderism on every corner of this world. <laughs> We're, that's why our great granddaddies, that's why our grandfathers landed at Normandy and took all those bullets. These are the boys of Pointe du Ho, the men who took the hills, scaled the cliffs so that men could chop their genitals off and prance around and pretend to be women. That's it, right? Is that why, is that, if that's Western values, maybe we ought to Look domestically for a little while before we start spreading those around the world and start to figure out: Hey, is that really are those really the values that built our civilization? The beliefs that inspired the great heights of Western Christendom? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it is. And you, Hungarian President Viktor Orban made this point just a few weeks ago. He said today. Western values means nothing more than LGBT, mass migration, and war. And the liberals in the West, they say, oh my goodness, how dare that authoritarian Orban say such a thing? And then they prove him completely right. Completely right. Not a good look for Ukraine. This is a war that's already very unpopular among the American people. The majority of Americans don't want to fund it anymore. Of course, our government doesn't care because our government is no longer even pretending to be responsive to the people. And when the people uh, support a a presidential candidate and the government fears that there's too big a threat that that person will be elected, they just try to throw him in prison. Speaking of bad looks for the White House and the unresponsiveness of this administration, uh, White House spokesman, Corrine Jean-Pierre, who I'm pleased to say is the sex that she presents herself as. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre over at the White House, uh, finally addressed the horrific wildfires in Hawaii. President Biden was approached on the beach, asked to give a comment about this. And uh, you've got a a rising death toll, mass devastation in Maui. Uh, Biden says, no comment. No, I'm too busy. I'm too busy thinking about Ukraine or I'm I'm too busy thinking about the blood dripping from Dracula's mouth in in Moscow or whatever. So no, I'm not going to care about my own American citizens. Finally, Karine Jean-Pierre addresses it. She just gets some details wrong. Senator Harino, who I said the president spoke to uh, just last night, he thanked the president uh, for the immediate support of federal agencies have delivered for residents of Hawaii. Senator Harino. Senator Harino if you've never heard of her um, or or him I guess Corinne Champier actually misgenders actually misgenders the the senator Senator Harino is a woman, and her name's not Harino, it's Hirono. And she's not even just a minor backbench senator. She's a senator who's on TV all the time. She never stops flapping her gums. And she's not even a Republican, where perhaps the, the president might be forgiven, or the White House spokesman might be forgiven for getting the name wrong if it's a member of the opposition party. Senator Mazie Hirono is one of the outspoken, most outspoken members of the president's own party. Not a great look because the president is already being criticized for not caring at all about the devastation in Hawaii. And so the White House comes out and says, "What are you talking about? We care a lot. We are very concerned about Hawaii." And Senator Harino, Harano, Harippi, whatever. Anyway, what is a dude? Oh, it's a chick. Okay, yeah, whatever. We're really focused though on what's going on in Hawaii. We don't even know the name of the US senator from that place in our own party, but or the sex of that person. But hey, we We're on it. You can count on us. All right, now I got to get back on the phone with the Kazakh oligarch so we can get a few more more tens of millions of dollars for the big guy. Thank you very much. Focused on the important things. Speaking of unfortunate videos of prominent women, we now finally will get to the story that we teased a little bit yesterday. I I wanted to make sure we had enough time to get into it because it's It's dominated the national discourse. This, of course, would be the that mother effer isn't real lady from the airplane who stood up and and insisted that there was a mother effer in the back of the airplane who was not real, and uh, she said that the rest of the passengers were free to stay on the airplane and die with the unreal person, but she was going to leave the airplane. Then she disappeared, which I felt was good for her, And it would have been much better for her had she remained anonymous. But the internet figured out who she was somehow. And now this woman is issuing an apology.
1: Hi, everyone. It's me, Tiffany Gomez, probably better known as the crazy plain lady, which is completely warranted. As you know, I have been unwilling to speak on the viral video, but I do finally-
0: This woman looks nothing like the woman from the video. She looks nothing like her. She has a different hair color. Sure, even her face looks different. I'm not saying it's a different person or invasion of the body snatchers or something, but I'm saying it because had this woman just gone about her daily life, no one would have recognized her. I don't know. She, she darkened her hair a little bit. I'm sure she went through a tough time after that video went viral, but she's deciding for some reason to make a big public spectacle of herself. Again, this time, I think, probably more ill-advisedly than the first time.
1: feel that it's time. First and foremost, I want to take full accountability for my actions. They were completely unacceptable. Distressed or not, I should have been, I should have been in control of my emotions. And no. that was not the case. My use of profanity was completely unnecessary. And I want to apologize to everyone on that plane, especially those that had children aboard. Can't imagine going through that and trying to explain to your kid what in the world just happened.
0: So she goes on and on. This apology goes on for something like two minutes. And I guess it's nice that she is apologizing for using naughty language around the kids. Even in our culture where kids hear this all the time, that's the appropriate thing to do. But beyond that, why apologize? What happened? Did, did she have a psychotic episode? Well, then she has no reason to apologize. She She wasn't in control of herself. And I, I don't think through Vice or something like that, she just went a little bit nuts for a moment. Is it because she was on some kind of substance or something? I don't know. She doesn't mention that here. Is it because, why apologize? This is a phenomenon that has taken over the West in, in our social media age. Jeremy has, has called out this weird phenomenon for a long time. Jeremy has called for the end of public apologies by private persons. Public figures, politicians, Heads of corporations, maybe they can make apology, public apologies. Why? This woman's not a public figure. If she wants to apologize, she can apologize to the airline. She can write a note to them or something, have the airline forward it out to the passengers on the plane. But why? she doesn't owe me an apology. She doesn't owe you an apology. Why does everybody think that every single little action, every impulse has to be public now? It probably comes from a, a great place. Greg right, comes from a good intention. She's trying to do the right thing. So I'm really not knocking her or criticizing her, but I'm giving a warning to everybody else. You don't owe the public an apology for your private actions most of the time. The only people she owes an apology to are the air, airplane and maybe the people on that plane. She doesn't owe one to the entire internet. We don't need to make our, every aspect of our lives at every level of community an international phenomenon. We don't we don't need to broadcast every single thing to the world. Though I, I suppose because of technology, because of the growth of technology such that we can transport messages across the world instantly, and because of the advance of liberal ideology, which which erodes communities, the the most basic political community, the family, and local community, and national borders, and everything, because of the simultaneous advance of those two phenomena. Now, we've lost all perspective of community. Everything's global, and, and every every single message is a message to the world intended to go viral and it, it does go viral it's it's it is like a virus it is an epidemic of of publicity of uh, we don't need to be so transparent we don't need to, we can things can be private or relatively private as as we lose the sense of the proper community which comes through the abolition of the family and borders and the eradication of federalism, decisions being made at a more local level. As we lose that, the political order gets entirely wonky such that we've now got Americans as the military spokesman in Ukraine, such that we've now got massive foreign influence in the United States elections. We've got, we've got uh, now uh, the criminalization even of politics at the whims of a mob. Not good stuff. Now, when, when your economic order is in the same sort of disarray that our political order is, you're probably going to want to check out American Financing. Right now, go to AmericanFinancing.net. If you are like most Americans, you are struggling to make ends meet. And by the time you pay the bills, fill up your car and grocery shop, there's almost nothing left. Everything is more expensive, and most of you are paying these bills with a credit card. Consumer debt rose over $1 trillion in the last year, which is the biggest increase in 20 years. If you're a homeowner, there's a way out You need to call my friends at American Financing. They will put together a plan to pay off that high-interest credit card debt and create meaningful savings for you every month. They're saving people up to $1,000 a month and closing in as fast as 10 days. Don't wait. Get yourself into a better position. Call their salary-based mortgage consultants today and see how much you can save. 25 years of experience and 7,000 glowing Google reviews speak volumes about their ability to save homeowners money. It costs nothing to get started, and if you start today, you could delay two mortgage payments, giving you greater savings up front. Call American Financing today at 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300, or visit AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net. Speaking of apologies, there are calls for apology from Skittles now. Skittles has a new package. These are, these are for, I guess, white Skittles. But uh, it's a white Skittle bag with white colored Skittles, it looks like, or sketched in pencil. then a nice big rainbow, then a lot of eccentric looking people. And then little statements. Joy is resistance. This is a a liberal slogan. Joy is resistance. They've got a little UFO saucer thing because don't forget UFOs are angels and demons for liberals. So they got all the UFO stuff, little smileys, little hearts. And then this phrase, black trans lives matter. I'm, I'm relieved to know that. My candy company recognizes that black trans lives matter. There are three black trans identifying people on the face of the earth, I th- I'm pretty sure. I don't think the number is much higher than that. But I needed my global candy company to tell me that their lives, their lives, much more than your life or my life, their lives really, really matter. The crazy part of this story, which I am not allowed to talk about it on YouTube. I can probably talk about this part of the story. It's the crazy part of this story, Skittles getting involved in some political activism, is this is not an example of ESG. All the time now, when we see some some corporation go really woke, we say, well, that's just ESG. The environmental social governance movement, this set of far-left policies being pushed by a handful of major asset managers, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, combined control, a total of $20 trillion. And so what they do is they push their woke agenda on the corporations, and the corporations have to comply, even if the customers don't like it. Skittles is privately owned. Skittles is owned by the Mars Corporation. Mars is a, a private company so this is not esg this was a decision by a regular old corporate board not being pressured by vanguard blackrock and State street why is skittles doing it the most interesting part of the the skittles uh, rainbow activism is i think they leaned into it because Skittles are the color of the rainbow. I think that their political stance was determined by the symbol that the company has always had, the symbol which used to be an innocuous symbol that children loved, a rainbow. You'd have rainbows on all sorts of kids' kids toys. That symbol is a happy symbol because traditionally, it was understood to be the symbol that God gave to man in, in the covenant with Noah, which, where God says, I will not destroy the world again in a flood. A natural symbol, or I guess a supernatural symbol, given now and expressed in nature, but given to us by God. But sometime about 40 years ago, a bunch of sexual revolutionary activists decided to come in and take that symbol, appropriate it for themselves. So you got this candy that just already has this symbol, and the leftist political activists go in and they say, that's our symbol now. And so the symbol is now universally identified with the weird sex stuff. And so the corporation just had their symbol remade through no fault of their own. And what did they do? They decided to lean into it. These sexual activists appropriated a symbol and thereby conquered every corporation that used that symbol, including Skittles. I talk a lot about the importance of words and symbols. You know, I wrote a book about it called "Speechless: Controlling Words, Controlling Minds," which is available obviously for order wherever wherever fine books are sold. This is a brilliant way, a very subtle way, that the left takes over a political order by conquering those symbols. You thereby change the meaning of the institutions and the rituals and the art that uses that symbol. You conquer that territory without ever having to even so much as knock on the door of the Mars Corporation. Now, enough about sexual revolutionary politics. Let's turn to black revolutionary politics. There is a New York City councilman, Charles Barron, bragging about losing white constituents. I have the distinct honor to be able to come before you and say I actually lost white population in my community. (laughs) I lost them. They left. They left. I didn't ask them why. They left. So if you see one or two or three or four or five whites in my neighborhood, they're passing through. (laughs) But that's on a serious note. We got 13 thousand black elected officials in this country. We've had mayors. We've had governors. We have city council members. We need to get radical. Oh, we are. We have so many fewer white people in this neighborhood. I hate them. I hate those whites and I want to drive them out. I'm so happy they're not here anymore. And if you do see a white man in my neighborhood, just know He's just a tourist. He's just coming. But if he stays here too long, we're going to chase him out. I hate white people. (laughs) Now, seriously, on a serious note, I really hate white people. (laughs) And I don't want them to have any power or representation anywhere. I hate them. Okay. But no, look, enough joking. Enough enough of the yucks around here. Okay, we got to get serious. And I seriously hate white people. (laughs) How many times does he need to tell you what, what shall we say about this? I know what I'm supposed to say. I know what I, a conservative political commentator, who has a show and a platform, I am supposed to say, pull my microphone here, could you imagine, could you even imagine if the shoe were on the other foot, and he were, he were a white man, and he said that about black people, could you even imagine the double standard, the hypocrisy, could you imagine Keep imagining it. Okay, that's what I'm supposed to say. Uh, I don't want to say that because that's extremely banal and obvious and is going to be the epitaph on the gravestone of conservatism. Could you imagine? If the situation were reversed, that would be so crazy, it would be unimaginable. My takeaway from these comments and similar comments that we've seen from left-wing politicians in recent years is, when people call you a racist, it is never a sincere or meaningful attack. It never. If it ever was sincere or meaningful, it is not anymore. It's not real. White people are basically the only group that you can legally discriminate against. The Asians get lumped in a little bit too. Socially, white people are the only group that you are permitted to and actually encouraged to insult. And mock, white people are the only group whose decline, I'm not even just saying decline in power or prominence, I mean de- decline in numbers, in existence, is the sort of thing that will be celebrated by the liberal media. It's not a real art. When people call you a racist, all that means is, I don't like you, you're bad, and I want you to shut up. So just don't take it seriously. This is my only takeaway. The only reason I even bring up the story. My takeaway for conservatives, and not even just for white conservatives, because you know, if you're a black conservative, if you're a Hispanic conservative, if you're an, if you're an Asian conservative, any color of conservative, you will be called a racist. You will be called a white supremacist, no matter the color of your skin, no matter your racial background. Larry Elder's the black face of white supremacy. Candace Owens, she's basically a, a Klansman at this point, according to the liberal media. So it's for everybody, especially for white people, but it's it's for anyone of any political, uh, any any literal stripe, any literal color uh, who happens to be heterodox in the modern liberal establishment. Don't take it seriously. A liberal calls you a racist. You say, oh, cool. Great. Awesome. Sure. Whatever. That's it. It's a meaningless word that you've called. Okay. No, but you're a, you're an alt-right white supremacist racist super Nazi. Cool. Oh, cool, man. That's awesome. Wow. Great. Can I get like a patch to put on my jacket? You know, like a letterman's patch or says that. Can I put that in my Twitter bio? Because it doesn't mean anything. If Charles Barron says this in New York City, gets away with it. And this has been going on for decades and decades. Remember Professor, was it Leonard Jeffries, Lionel Jeffries? The one who said that black people are the good people of the sun. White people are the ice people without souls. This stuff is repeated by celebrities even today. Nick Cannon repeated this stuff recently. And uh, Professor Jeffries' nephew, Hakeem Jeffries, is now the Democrat leader in the House of Representatives. It's just a joke. Okay. You're a racist. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I can't even deny it because I don't even know what it means anymore. Because the word doesn't have any meaning anymore. Other than you're bad. You're a baddie. You're a baddie. Okay, speaking of black leaders, we talked about this letter that David Garrow, the biographer who's who's worked on Barack Obama, and he's not just a biographer like he's doing a hit piece on Obama or something. This is a guy, he he won the Pulitzer Prize for biography in 1987. This is a very serious liberal biographer, and he's writing this, this biography of Obama. He says, Obama's memoir, Dreams from My Father, is a work of fiction. I know it. Obama knows it. Obama knows that I knows, know it. When, when David Garrow met with Obama in the Oval Office, Obama kind of taunted him about the details of his life that he wouldn't show him. And then this guy found a letter that Obama had written to, uh, to uh, his girlfriend at the time. It was back in 1982. And part of it was redacted by the girlfriend. And Garrow said, well, why, why is this redacted? And she said, oh, it deals with homosexuality. That's all we know. Well, now we have the unredacted letter. Here is what Obama said about his uh, sexual orientation. In regard to homosexuality, I must say that I believe this is an attempt to remove oneself from the present, a refusal, perhaps, to perpetuate the endless farce of earthly life. You see, I make love to men daily, but in the imagination. Now, this I'm not just going to make fun of Obama or try to gossip about him or anything like that. This is a profound statement. It's written like a pompous young young man would write. But Obama was only 21 years old at the time. And he was a pretty clever, obviously ambitious kid. So not surprised that he would write in that style. It says, in regard to homosexuality, I must say that I believe this is an attempt to remove oneself from the present. A refusal, perhaps, to perpetuate the endless farce of earthly life. Now, of course, I don't think earthly life is a farce. This is a very cynical atheist way of talking. It's a farce, this hellish facade of the world that we're talking about. Uh, No, I think the world is full of meaning, of course, and that it doesn't, it's not a farce at all. It's a happy comedy like Dante would talk about. But he says homosexuality is a way to remove oneself from the process of generation. That's true. That's obviously true. And he says, I make love to men daily, but in my imagination. So he's saying, I have homosexual desires, but I don't carry them out. And I, I was saying uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think that social conservatives are a little too harsh here. Because a lot of them want to kind of make fun of Obama for, for appearing to be a little bit light in the loafers. Uh, but what he's saying is, I have homosexual desires and I'm suppressing them. And I think, well, I don't, it, what's he supposed to do? Isn't that good? Isn't that what the social conservatives want? Social conservatives who don't have the, this problem that Obama has, it's very easy for us to say, well, haha, you know, <laughs> he, he, he's fantasizing about men. But imagine if you were like him and you had these homosexual desires today you would just be told, well, you got to carry that out. But Obama's saying, no, I do want to be, even if it's a, it seems like a, a silly farce, I do want to participate in the process of creating life. I do want a wife. I do want a family. I do, he probably obviously had political ambitions. I do want to pursue my political ambitions. And so I'm going to subordinate my, my sexual desires to that. Isn't that, shouldn't we as social conservatives have a little bit of grace? For people like Obama, who maybe have you know, slightly uh, eccentric sexual desires, and say, oh, well, he all right, he's doing basically the thing that he wants to do. Now, the letter gets even crazier because Barack Obama doesn't just say that he's got these homosexual desires. He suggests that he's a little bit trans. As that for a tease. When Dr. Jordan B. Peterson made the decision to join Daily Wire Plus, it was a major win for those who champion free speech and intellectual debate. With one year of unparalleled output, his contributions have set new standards and remained unmatched by any other platform. Daily Wire Plus now has a vast array of exclusive Jordan Peterson content, offering hundreds of hours of captivating content you won't find anywhere else. Jordan has created thought-provoking works that reshape your perspective on life, it includes Vision and Destiny, Marriage, and Dragons, Monsters, And then, additionally, you can immerse yourself in discussions that nurture your spiritual side, like Logos and Literacy and Jordan's groundbreaking series on the book of Exodus. I have not even mentioned his Beyond Order lecture series or his extensive archive of lectures and podcasts. Plus, there's even more new exclusive content on the horizon. This is only the beginning. By becoming a Daily Wire Plus member, you will embark on an unforgettable experience that will fuel your thirst for knowledge and inspire personal growth like never before. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member today. My favorite comment yesterday is from Jonathan Perez, 2H23, who says, it's not enough that Michael is such a tease. Now he's teasing his teases. I can't even right now. Wow, how providential that that comment came up just after I mentioned a little tease. Here's what Obama said about his gender identity. My mind is androgynous to a great extent, and I hope to make it more so until I can think in terms of people, not women as opposed to men. But in returning to the body, I see that I have been made a man, and physically in life, I choose to accept that contingency. I love, I love that expression. I, th- I give Obama a lot of credit. I have greater respect for Obama's intellect and, and willpower, actually, after reading that than I did before. And I know all the other conservatives are going to make fun of him and call him a fanuk or whatever. But this is really, this was commonplace thinking 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Now it's pretty rare. He says, my mind is androgynous and to blah, blah, blah. Okay. He's a 21-year-old pompous kid and he's a liberal. So he's saying, oh, I'm so expansive. Nothing, no definition can contain me, man. I'm just, I'm like a little, I'm a woman in the morning, a man in the afternoon. I don't want to think in terms of these small categories, man. I'm so much bigger than that, you know. Okay. So he's just talking like every pompous college junior you've ever met who is a liberal with notions of grandeur. Uh, But then what do you say? He goes, But in returning to the body, my mind feels androgynous. Mind, meaning not a physical thing, but a metaphysical thing, right? The mind is not the brain. The mind is closer to the soul, is what we would say. So he says, my soul feels male and female. But in returning to the body, I see I've been made a man. And physically in life, I choose to accept that contingency. This is very based This is downright Thomistic. He's saying, my soul is not gendered. Thomas Aquinas would say the soul is not gendered. But the body is sexed. Sex derives from the body and applies to the whole individual, the whole person, because we're body and soul, inextricably linked on earth. And he says, so I see that I'm a man, and I choose to accept that contingency, which is very based, because not only is he saying, I will not be trans— He's also saying, I won't act on my homosexual desires because I am a man. And being a man implies not merely accepting the biological facts of our body, but, but also accepting the telos of our body, the, the, the purpose of our body, what our body is for. This is, this is far right-wing, social conservative, traditional, Catholic uh, teaching right here coming out of Barack Obama. What does that tell you? Does it tell you that Barack Obama is a secret conservative? It doesn't. What it tells you is just how radically to the left the culture has gone in the last 40 years. This was written in 1982, and everybody, even the liberals, understood oh, yeah, I've got a body. That implies that I obviously can't pretend to be the opposite sex, and it also implies that I'm supposed to do certain things with my body. That that the highest and only moral maxim is not simply, if it feels good, do it. Even Barack Obama was saying that. He, he may have changed his view somewhere down the line, but that is pretty pretty based. Next time someone tells you that you're you're a social conservative and. And your views are fascistic and far right. And what you, tell them, you tell them that you have the same views on sex and gender that Barack Obama had in 1982 while he was writing about his fantasies of <laughs> sleeping with men. Which brings us to uh, this question. How, how did the culture move so left so fast? A, a lot of it was the sexual revolution. I, I don't want to harp on the weird sex stuff too much. I, I like to talk about, you know, I don't know, the indictments, the political order, the wars overseas, immigration, trade, like all these important issues. But the sex stuff comes up a fair bit because it's such a huge motivating factor in human nature and because when the limits of behavior have been eroded – by, say, an act of sexual revolution, it it becomes an even more pronounced driver. And it's because it's the, the instrument by which the libs have taken over a lot of the culture. And one way they've done it, one way to explain the huge advance of degeneracy in recent decades is pornography, the ubiquity of internet pornography. It's just something we've never seen before, ever in the history of human life. Now, it's virtually everywhere. And people say, so conservatives such as I would say we should heavily regulate it. If if we can't ban it entirely, we should heavily regulate it. And you've got liberals and some libertarians saying, "Well, no, we can't. We can't regulate it. We need the internet to be free, man. Let people watch whatever degraded filth they want to watch. You know, it's a free country, man. Whatever." Even though it's even by the letter of the law today, this stuff is already illegal because it violates obscenity laws. It's just liberal judges have changed the standards for obscenity. So. How would you regulate it? People say, well, give me a concrete action. How would you regulate it? Here's how you would regulate it. You would require people to prove that they are at least 18 when they access even just the main porn site, the one owned by MindGeek, which is the biggest porn conglomerate in the world, PornHub. You just say, okay, in order to access this website, you have to prove that you're your age. Now, the, the libertarians will respond and say, so you want to give a porn company every every ID in America or, I don't know, 70% of IDs in America, 80% of IDs in America? My answer to that is no. If, if you pass that regulation, first of all, Pornhub would just stop operating because they know that preying on children is crucial to the success of their industry. That's why they've pulled out of Utah. That's why they've pulled out of uh, several states that have passed these age requirement laws. They would rather not do business in those states than comply with an age check because they, they need to prey on kids. But, but even if, if it went through and, and Pornhub were still operating— Pornhub would not get all the IDs in America because most people, the vast majority of people, would be too ashamed to submit their ID. The moment you took anonymity away from it, most people, other than the most hardened perverts, would stop looking at it. Because the law is not merely shaped by the culture, as the libertarians say. There's some truth to that, of course, but the law is also a teacher and also shapes culture. And if you pass that simple kind of a regulation, the the effect of that, I think Americans still have enough shame that that would greatly reduce uh, the indulgence in that vice, and it would greatly, greatly reduce the presence of all sorts of social pathologies that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube. Here's a little tease for tomorrow. Speaking of bad behavior, did you know that almost one in five Americans are now puffing the devil's lettuce? I know, listen, there are going to be a lot of people watching listening to the show right now who like to have a little little hit on the sin spinach. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. We'll talk about it tomorrow. The rest of the show continues now. you don't want to miss it because today is they've informed me I'm not allowed to say the name of the member segment today. It's Tuesday. We have you know music Monday, woke Wednesday we have something Tuesday but I'm not allowed to say the name of the day on. on YouTube. So I'll have to use a euphemism so I could, I, th- I thought if I took out the T, I could say it's, it's unit use day. Is that, yeah, I think you get what I'm getting at. Okay. Become a member now, use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.